This is a message from Donald Trump, your next president. President Obama has bankrupted this country with his schemes. I don't say plans, I say schemes because plans can help other people. Schemes only help the person who unleashes them onto this country. And I'm talking about that slouch, Barack Obama. So vote for me in 16 months, Donald Trump. That's right. I'm the only candidate with the strength, the courage, the vision, and the pro-value stances to staple a dead squirrel to my head and call it a haircut. And I can do what I've done for my hair for this great country. So vote Trump. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Godzilla Pod War <laughs> Hour. Uh, my name is Michael Kelly. With us, as always, Nathan Bear. Buddy, you, I see you're here today. Yes, I, and, uh, I happen to be in the neighborhood. I, yeah. I just thought I'd uh, waltz on in and uh, right. bring a microphone. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So here we are, uh, you know, continuing with the Ape series, and we've got two wonderful... Film state one wonderful film and one <laughs> yeah. other movie. Yeah, one other uh, film. Uh, and that's, so uh, that's 1933 Son of Kong and 1949's Mighty Joe Young. So yeah. uh, you know it's going to be a lot. It's going to be a lot of fur flying here. Yeah. So we should, we should probably get into it. Uh, yeah, Son of Kong. Um, I wow. mean, for, first description is like if we if we were to you know, use a food metaphor, all right? If if King Kong is a haute cuisine, as the French would say, then Son of Kong would definitely be the dump cake. Uh, and what I mean by a dump cake is, it's not necessarily terrible, but it was definitely rushed and not cooked thoroughly. Right. Um, so you could enjoy bits of it, but not really the whole thing. You know, it, that's actually a very fitting description of this movie because there's still enough like scraps of like the good stuff from king kong that by the way only came out like eight months earlier this is the same year this is 1933 still uh so they were like but there's you know there was enough um there's little moments most of them on skull island yeah where you can see stuff and it almost feels like they feel like cut scenes from King Kong. Yeah, that have some story like constructed around them, uh, almost. Where like, but for like, you're right about there's about 15 seconds of this movie that is like really good, <laughs> <laughs> uh, which is actually not that much of it left because the movie is only an hour long yeah it's so like 16 yeah um that's actually a pretty good portion of the film yeah you work it out um, um but yeah a story again by ruth rose who uh worked on you know king kong and uh and also Mighty Joe Young, which we'll discuss uh, later. I uh, just want to point out how like significant it is for a woman to have this position of power uh, or influence in a movie at this time, who like wasn't you know uh, a lowly you know stock editor. Um, in between, I think like 1929 and I think 1949, the only female like director in all of Hollywood uh, was Dorothy Asner. Uh, you know, made such films as. Uh, uh, Bride World Red with Joan Crawford and and so on. So, like, that tells you a lot about how Hollywood is. Uh, the fact that, like, you know, if if a woman, uh, you know, can get, like, anything, you know, she'll take it. 
um, yeah. because it, it's just it was just like such uh, a, and still is you know a very you know a very cutthroat uh, and hard for women to uh, progress in the Hollywood system. So this is like significant that Ruth Rose um, you know has uh, this much influence yeah. on the film. I, I would say. You know, not 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 necessarily cutthroat, but more sinister and insane. Mm. Uh, the way things are uh, put up against uh, uh, women in in Hollywood currently, um, and you know, 1933 things were just as tough. Yeah. Uh, so it is amazing. And she wrote, she wrote Kong, she wrote Son of Kong, and she wrote Mighty Joe Young as well. So it's weird. All three films are are written by the same person. They're all directed by the same person and they all have Robert Armstrong in them and you know they all have stop animation apes so you can look at it as sort of a loose sort of trilogy yeah and uh, in that regard I think Mighty Joe Young sort of redeems it a little bit in the final installment and bits which we'll discuss later but Mighty Joe Young seems to in a way kind of parody the stereotypes and kind of cliches that were brought upon by King Kong right. and Son of Kong now, you know, about, you know, near 20 years later. Yeah. If, if, if like, Mighty Joe Young is sort of the apology, uh, then Son of Kong is the rubbing the salt in the wound. <laughs> because Son of Kong is, it seems like it takes some of the, the themes and also the, the, the creature himself which i guess we'll call little kong yeah um kong jr kong jr and he's almost he's not in the film that much no uh and it's almost when he's on screen most of the time he's played for laughs yeah and he doesn't really have a full-on like king kong roar he just sort of like makes grunts and almost like weird like clown honks and yeah things you know and, and his uh, like eyes bounce around like uh basically like um he looks know, like, like the, the abominable Ru- snow monster yeah from, in, in uh, rudolph, uh, rudolph the red-nosed red-nosed reindeer. reindeer yeah he's yeah. just like yeah like he'll he'll get hit on the head and he'll go cross-eyed yeah and it'll be something overly garish and and, and cartoonish it, uh, in a way that completely takes you out of the element as far as the, you know, and I, I use the term realism with a grain of salt because he's fighting dinosaurs, but even in the original King Kong, uh, they're like, okay, well, this, this world has dinosaurs, but we are fully committing to the reality of that. Yeah. And it is a brutal world. Yeah. I mean, not to mention, like, all that. Like, I think there's, like, one murder in this film Whereas, like, last film had, what, like, five, like, just brutal deaths, on-screen deaths? Not to mention, well, like, the ones we don't see? Yeah, no, in King Kong, he kills 11 sailors. Oh, right, yeah, 11 sailors. 11 sailors and, like, uh, like 10 uh, tribesmen or yeah. whatever. And then, like, to say nothing of, like... Probably like forty or fifty people in that A train subway car. Well, well, we don't see all of them like chewed to death. But yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's but like, like the off screen. That's the implied. Yeah, like death. Like the original Kong kills probably fifty yeah. to sixty people. This other, this little Kong just sort of. He's yeah. he's like a big dog. Yeah, I mean he's just sort of just like dog. Like, yeah, exactly. Aren't you um, cute? Um. You do, uh, thankfully, get the uh, required amount of destruction from a kaiju film. Uh, 
in a, in a late in the game earthquake that just comes in for absolutely no reason. Yep. Um, I think it's because the hour was up and they're just like, yeah, we have to end this like, movie. We, we have to have an earthquake now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the script demands there be an earthquake. Right. Ruth, um, we need an earthquake. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Can you give us earthquake? <laughs> yeah. So like, you know that, but uh, save of that, there's really, there, there you know, it, it's not only that there's not that much action in it, but like the, the stuff, the animation is just hasty like yeah. you can see like little mistakes and things that are sort of left in there that just were not in there with the original king kong yeah so it's um you know it is you know sort of a cheapy sequel which yeah. is kind of a sort of a letdown and it's not the same way like um you know we, we've mentioned how uh Ghidra, the three-headed monster kind of was uh shoon in at the last minute uh to get off the um or to uh, to keep the ball ro- rolling with the um, money that Mothra versus Godzilla was making. Uh, this, on the other hand, it, or as many problems as we had with Ghidorah, this one just like that—that's not even that level. You know, yeah. G- Ghidorah is still like a really good movie. Yeah. You know, it was just—it was clear that they just didn't have the same budget. Whereas this, it's just like. Uh, well, this yeah. movie, keep in mind, it's an hour long, and yeah. it feels like 90% padding. Yeah. Like, you could cut... A lot. <laughs> 50 minutes from this movie, so you have a nice little 10-minute short that you could put in front of another movie and be like, oh, The Further Adventures of Carl Denham. Yeah. And, um, you know, and I, you'd probably have a more successful... <laughs> I think you just uh, need like result. You just need six seconds. This uh, this could be a vine. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it, it, that's sort of what it feels like. Um, I mean, what? Sorry. But yeah. no, no, sorry. Um, I guess we should mention that one thing I do like. Like most of the things I like about Son of Kong are like constructional or like. Aspects of the story that are just reflective of what happened at the end of King Kong, but not actual new plot that takes place during the story of Son of Kong. Yeah. Like, for example, I like the fact that Fay Ray is not in this movie because her and uh, Jack Driscoll, like, sat this one out because they were, like, too smart yeah. to, like, go back to the island yeah. or, like, even hang out with Denim anymore. They probably both hate Denim. Yeah. You know, and that's intelligent. Yeah. That they're like, you know, yeah, that makes sense. That, yeah. Like, that makes sense, right? Yeah. Also, the fact that, like, everyone's trying to sue Denim. Yeah, that makes absolute sense. Perf- perfect like, sense. Like, it, it starts out, like, we see Denim, uh, like, where he should be, you know, in the poorhouse. Uh, in the poorhouse. The fact that he isn't in jail is a miracle. Um... Yeah, but she's going to jail at yeah, the end yeah, of this movie. Yeah, I'm not no. sure if he hasn't figured that out. Yeah. Is the end of this movie is like they try to set it up like it's a happy ending, but it's like hey, he's still going to jail. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, he's on the run. At at some point, they're yeah. going to figure out that you know right. the people well, I mean, they picked up. Unless were, we missed a scene where they're like, "Okay, the adventure's over, and we're going to change our names and go to London." Yeah. <laughs> uh, he's still going to prison for at least ten years. Uh, for, uh, yes. Yeah. Um, for that, for the destruction of, of Kong, which they, another thing I really like is they, he listed at one point, 
um, there's 11 lawsuits and a grand jury indictment. And I just like the, for some reason, I like the real world, like, materializing. And there's even a scene when a guy who uh, is is serving him, uh, like, a summons mm-hmm. in the poorhouse is actually kind of cool because it's like, like, he's he's been served so many times that he's really good at avoiding, like, the summons dudes. And, like, so this guy has to, like, sneak into the house and pretend that, like, he's a tramp or whatever, or, like, a magician, or he's, like, mm-hmm. selling rags. Yeah. Which I guess we are in the Great Depression. Yeah. So it's, like... Rags that, went that, for a lot back yeah, then. Yeah, that's, like, a legitimate profession. You could just go around and be like, rags? Selling <laughs> disgusting rags. And, like, and this guy, you know, hands Denim a summons, and he lists off, like... For, this is lawsuit uh, for, you know, damage Kong did to the storefront at 5th and 23rd. Yeah. You know, for the emotional damage and physical destruction of the property, totaling the, such and such money. Yeah. And it's just like, yes, this yeah. shit had consequences, yeah. you know. Uh, but again, that's all stuff <laughs> related to King Kong. It's not a Kong. It's just sort of like. <laughs> yeah. Let's just, it's, you know, King Kong was like an ultimate adventure and and. You know, um, Son of Kong feels like a very minor skirmish. I'm just another trouble. You told me not to come on the boat. Good night, kid. Ah, that's what everybody thinks who's never been there. Skipper, believe it or not, there's a little calm. What? A little calm? How little? Son of Kong starts out with the RKO logo. That was the company. Uh, but this, uh, the difference is, is that this one also has the NRA uh, yeah. logo at the front, and that stands for the National Recovery Act, which was implemented June sixteenth, nineteen thirty-three. Uh, this was basically um, sent out. This was uh, put out via the Roosevelt administration as a way to basically get people back to work, right. get jobs uh, as part of the New Deal. Uh, and Hollywood studios, um, especially Warner Brothers, were really big on this, uh, getting people to work. So there are many films, including like Busby Berkeley musicals, where uh, if the logo isn't at the front of the film, it'll be put up 
via, you know, a musical number. Like, the, the band will, like, unfold, like, some kind of, like, uh, you know, mural or something, and it'll be like, oh, the National Recovery Act with the uh, Blue Eagle as the symbol. Um, and so that was, like, really uh, important. It was a sign of the times. This was, like, big. Um, you know, the, it was this mentality, we all have to, you know, work together to get through this this shit. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. I, I straight up thought it was from the National Rifle Association, but I didn't do the research. But, no, what you said is correct. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just thought it was like... This oh, is no, like, I just made that up. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah, well, well, first was... of all, there was no Roosevelt. <laughs> there was... We all know <laughs> that this camera is, has no film in it. <laughs> Uh, no, I just thought that, like, RKO were just, like, hardcore gun nuts. And yeah, like, it's like... And all right, you saw at the end of the last King Kong movie, we sh- he got crazy, he went ape, tore up New York, we shot up, we shot him down, we shot, we shot him down, we got, we hopped in those biplanes, we went up there at the top of Empire State Building, we said, Kong, shutting her down, man, we're shutting her down. And we shot him down with our rifles, so go NRA, yeah. So, uh... <laughs> That's what I thought. I was like, oh, okay, I guess the NRA is getting in, like, uh, you know, on the get-go here. But, uh, no, I guess it is the, the Recovery Act. That makes, that's, yeah, that makes good sense. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Since the uh, already... <laughs> yeah. The already broke population spent the rest of their money on seeing the original <laughs> King Kong yeah, so now, many times. Now yeah. they can regret that by uh, paying money to see yeah. this. Um, you know, but the important thing is Son of Kong put people to work, you know. Yes. Provided, you know, most of them were, you know, white and male. Uh, but but anyways. Uh. So, as we said, Denim's in New York. He's not doing well. He's besieged by summons for lawsuits. And basically, Charlie, who is billed as Chinese cook, even though they his, his even name is clearly Charlie. Yeah. They call him Charlie. Yeah. Like, they, they never call him Chinese cook. Yeah. <laughs> like, and they call him Charlie in the original K-Kong. Yeah. So that's just lazy. Okay? Just, uh. um, anyways, Charlie comes to Denim's flop house, and he's like, Hey, Englehorn wants to talk to you uh, down at the harbor. On the, I guess Englehorn still has control of the SS Venture. Mm-hmm. He hasn't just left which obviously he showed up immediately yeah, as the events of the end of king kong were unfolding but he's for whatever reason he's been hanging out and uh he he summons denim and basically denim meets up with anglehorn anglehorn's like i still have the ship and you know how's stuff going and denim's like i'm totally broke yeah. i mean luckily there's a nice uh you know thing for opportunity for a- exposition when a um reporter comes in and says, Kyle Denham, why don't you catch us up and tell us exactly what's going on with your life? My readers want to know. Yeah. And Denham's like, well, I get, well, let me tell you exactly where I am financially. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, you know, Denham's totally broke. And so Anglehorn, the uh, the captain, uh, says, you know what, let's just go. We can yeah. just have a shipping and thing. It's also implied, or he also implies that they'll probably go after him as well since he brought King Kong on his right. ship. So Inglehorn's also liable, yeah. so they they're basically making the decision to turn into fugitives yeah. in this scene. So um, they decide to uh, you know, go east. Yes, or west. Yeah, east. They go east um, 
to, uh, well, they eventually end up in the Dutch East Indies, which is now known as uh, Indonesia, but back then it was still controlled by the Dutch. They end up in a place which, uh, I forgot to look up whether it was an actual town or not. I don't think it was. Yeah. But it is so, supposed to be somewhere in Indonesia, and it's not Jakarta. So yeah, there you it have looked, it. definitely looked like just a back lot. Yeah. Um, uh, but this is where, I guess, the, the real story begins. If, uh, the... The, the sad, yeah, sad story. The sad, the sad, like, sad the pathetic plop. excuse for the first half of this movie. It's it's almost like I, there's this weird thing where it's like there's sort of this sick pleasure in like tearing down everything that was amazing about the original King Kong infused within the very story of this yeah. movie. Like they go to a uh, before they get dinner when they uh, you know sail to this place they they go to this show because they see a poster for it yeah um and uh it's like in some flea-bitten tent and like people are just sitting on crates yeah. and it's like not great okay yeah. and uh and the and the show is a bunch of monkeys like playing some song yeah it's, it's like, like a circus instruments. Yeah. it's like a circus and it goes on for like seven minutes. Yeah. And it's just like, you're watching, you're just like, okay, they are clearly just padding. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, there's the, like, we get it. Like, this little show with the monkey, like, hitting the little yeah. drum. And, like, there's another monkey that's, like, playing a violin or whatever. Yeah. And it's just like, it seems like that scene goes on about three minutes too long. And then they bring out uh, Matilda May. And um, I think that's her name. Anyways, not Faye Ray. Yeah, not Faye Ray. Brunette. The brunette. Uh, and they have her sing a song. And, and she her voice is terrible. And uh, Englehorn points out immediately that she cannot sing. And I thought I really appreciated that part. Uh, again, you know, I, I don't even think that scene was scripted. I think, yeah, just, it was just, yeah, it was just that actor. Character. Being, it was just, just like, like she is terrible. Yeah. Uh, and like they they leave or whatever. And of course, you Robert Armstrong. Of course, there is no Jack Driscoll, so all we have is Carl Denham. So now Carl Denham sort of has to be Carl Denham, still uh, a little bit more humble, but he's also you know. Obviously, they're not going to... Like, okay, it's, it's the 30s. You have to have a love interest. You have to have a love plot. Clearly, that's not going to involve Anglehorn because he looks like he's, like, quite old. Yeah. So it's like Denim is literally the only other male other than, like, Charlie the Cook. Yeah. And this movie is not that progressive. No. So uh, we're, Denim we're, is it. People were still getting over Broken Blossoms at this point. Yeah, so, uh. like, immediately Denim sees the brunette, and um, he's like, yeah, she's got something there. It's it's that classic thing where it's, like, two characters in a movie, like, they have to fall in love, but they only have, like, two and a half scenes together, so they immediately have to be, like, rapidly falling in love yeah. via, like, dialogue. Yeah. Uh, so it's a little silly. But, um, anyways, yeah, basically... Yeah. So, yeah, so the the girl, uh, the girl and her father are the ones who do this act with the monkeys. Uh, anyways, the, the dad is an alcoholic. He and, is a nightmare. Yeah. Um. <laughs> that guy. Yeah. He's like a character out of, like, David Lynch 
like uh, yeah. like Mulholland Drive <laughs> yeah. or something. Because he's got like the, the like the ringmaster, yeah. like, like this circus ringmaster outfit, but it's all like old and beat up and like yeah. tore up. He look kind of looks like a scarecrow ringmaster, and he's like he looks like. He's this man has had a hard life. Yeah. Okay. He looks like the vulture <laughs> from like the Spider Man comic Original books. series. Yeah, original <laughs> series, you know, not not the you know, not the new one or whatever. And uh and he's got he's all like he's got the showmanship, he's all like, and now, madame he like he doesn't say her real name. Uh he he says like um some some like French name or whatever when when he it, but it is his daughter and it's mm-hmm. not her real name or yeah. whatever so it's like but yeah and he's all you know he's got the thick showmanship he's like we are performing tomorrow night as well and thank you everybody and then everyone clears out of the tent mm-hmm. and they're putting the animals in the cages and he's like ah you know I'm going to get drunk tonight or whatever you better yeah. stay here and go to sleep immediately like yeah. he turns into a tyrant and she's like has to be like 25 like in real minimum life. yeah um so it and uh while this is happening carl denham uh meet and uh the skipper are um in a bar and they suddenly run into halstrom halstrom who, played by our good friend mr john marston yes and he uh, it happens to be the Norwegian what uh, skipper. He, yeah, he's who, the who, who's the one who yeah. had the map for Kong, for the Kong's Island. The one who Denim briefly mentions at the beginning of King Kong, just to explain away the plot. Now this guy is an actual character. Yeah, uh, and, and he's terrible. Well, like, for, well, okay, so like that happens the next day or like after word or whatever because first oh uh hellstrom kills uh the old man yeah because they they're like drinking and, and fighting and, and fighting well the old guy implies that hellstrom sunk his last ship to collect the insurance mm. and um he hellstrom yells at him and says sober up you old tramp which i thought was an amazing line yeah and uh the T word. Yeah. Uh anyways he basically clubs the old man over the head with the bottle and like And then the fl- the lamp falls over and starts burning everything and Halstrom just kinda like slowly walks out. <laughs> yeah, he's, <laughs> he's just like, Whoops. like Well he's got that really crazy look in his eyes, yeah. like the you know, he looks like Renfield from Dracula because yeah. <laughs> his face is like super tan and his eyes were just like super white, so he, it's really he, he gets he gets the bug eyes. Okay? Yeah. But he doesn't save his buddy or whatever. Uh, possibly because he was implying that he was committed insurance fraud, even though he has no proof or yeah. whatever. But he still decides basically to murder that guy. Yeah. And uh, his his daughter, which the daughter is, is Hilda Peterson, and that is portrayed by the actress Helen Mack. And uh, anyways, so she's not Fay Ray. Um, no. we'll, we'll say that. Um, she's very lovely or whatever, but Fay Ray was just awesome. Uh, anyways... Um, she makes it out. She frees the seals and the monkeys and the other animals and then gets out of the uh, burning tent and actually rescues her father. Yeah. But he still dies, but he sort of implies that it was, you know, Hellstrom who did yeah. it. So she's 
And she's not very smart. The, the way she goes about sort of talking to Hellstrom in these next few scenes, because it's like, Hellstrom could have easily murdered her. There's like yeah. so many scenes in this movie where I'm just thinking like, she doesn't have a knife. She doesn't have anything to, like, Hellstrom is this like f- scary dude and he like has several excellent reasons to murder her and she like c- chooses to confront him by herself like five or six times and I'm just like I've, I feel very cons- that's the most suspenseful thing yeah. in this whole movie is like you know and that's not b- before they even go back to Skull Island yeah. so um, yeah and so yeah so they eventually Hellstrom meets Armstrong in the bar he explains their backstory and, and yeah, that's why Hellstrom wants to get the hell out of Dodge because yeah. he's just committed yeah. murder. And he he uh, lets him know, like, oh, uh, did you get the treasure? Right. Apparently, like, he wasn't positive about Kong's existence, but he was positive about the treasures. Which existence. he did not mention to Denim yeah. the first time. Because so he that, wanted to get it himself. Yeah, that was sort of confusing because it's like... Like, what was the conversation that Hellstrom had with Denim in the original King Kong? Or, like... You know, when he gave Denim Here's a map. map. It's like, here's There's a... There's absolutely no uh, treasure yeah, here. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like... Please hey, don't go explore this exactly. island of which I've never been to. <laughs> right. And, you know, find any, you know, treasure. Uh, I, if there's a treasure at the end of this map, I don't know about it. There isn't any Kong either, but there's this wall and there's a skull. I don't know why you'd want to go onto this island, but maybe you should. But I'm not going to go, but I'll have no way of knowing if you go or not. This plan makes no sense. No. <laughs> I mean, I mean, of course, you know, with his drinking habits, maybe Armstrong just offered him, you know, a bottle of Black Label in exchange. I for, mean, yeah. Uh, yeah, this guy's so out of it. We're lucky he didn't use it like while he was eating ribs for like a napkin, you know. So, anyways, uh, so yeah, Alstrom brings up the fact that there actually is a treasure on Skull Island, and and there's a scene earlier in this movie where it's like. Uh, Denim and and Englehorn are talking about, like, well, I I wish we could go back to the island. Like, Englehorn knows the exact location of the island, no matter where they are uh, in the Indian Ocean, you know? So it's like... There's, like, the back of his hands. Yeah, so, like, they they, they both, there's this need for them to go back to Skull Island. Meanwhile, they're implying that they don't have money to actually pay the crew, because this is a ship that I think, like, in their minds, they're trying to run it like, I don't know, Star Trek, uh, what, you know, Search for Spock, basically, you know, where they somehow just, like, are able, where Scotty, like, It's like a skeleton a, crew. Yeah, yeah. Where, and it's just like, well, you can't do that, because this is a real ship. Uh, <laughs> it, it needs a crew to make everything work. In this uh, or Star Trek 3? In this. Okay. In Star Trek 3, they're able to do that. In this, it's like, I'm sure while the captain, the skipper would have loved that to happen, it doesn't work. You need crew members and you need to pay those crew members so that way you know because you're supposed to yeah um i just thought about that is ridiculous in star trek 3 when it's just like the five people go yeah because you remember star trek the series it took everyone to run that shit it takes like 500 people to run a starship and then star trek 3 it's just like oh you know captain i've i've hooked the the incubator to the uh, operator and uh now yeah so we can control it completely from the the bridge yeah Uh, that's not a good scottish accent but it is a good movie uh yeah no that's good yeah that that's what he says it's like he just like that's like a toss you know it's just like okay we can do this now I mean, it's worth it, because you get to see the Enterprise blow up. Yeah. Anyways, so, yeah. Um, <laughs> Sorry. No, slightly yeah. off topic. The point is, is that 
there is sort of this thing where Denim and the Skipper, like, their lives are so shitty now that, like, they wouldn't mind actually just... They, they want to just go back and reclaim their former glory on Skull Island. Even though everything that happened on Skull Island was, like, a nightmare of murderous death. Yeah. Like, it's still better than all, like, the lawsuits and, like, the indictments <laughs> and all just, like, the boring, like, stale reality it's it's sort of like sylvester stallone still making rambo movies yeah. you know it's just like even though it's sort of sad and pathetic it's like better than like just retiring from acting yeah. or doing roles appropriate for his age you yeah. know there's just like like expendables the, three exactly there's just this need to go back to this f- imaginary place where things were better or good or whatever and but they're before the treasure is put into it there's almost like a suicidal overtone to it because it's like you cannot go back to Skull Island. You, you cannot spend any time on Skull Island. There are dinosaurs everywhere, and they are going to eat you as soon as they see you. Yeah. Just, just no discussion, you know? Yeah. Now, mind you, when they eventually take Hellstrom onto the ship with them, and they go their merry way to Skull Island, because why not? Even though they haven't paid the crew, and they've, you know, mentioned They have before, no money. Yeah, they have no money. Uh, but whatever, Hellstrom then starts talking to the crew about how terrible Skull Island is, how, like, there's death on um, Carl Denham's hands. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and so he doesn't want to go, but he doesn't want to be on there, so... I'd like He just jumps yeah. through a bunch of hoops Yeah. to get the plot moving. Yeah. Um, so fortunately, uh, the crew is led by a guy named Red... <laughs> yes, his name is Red. We should note that Hilda stows away on yes. the USS, uh, or the SS Venture. Yes, the SS Venture. Um, so, like, now she's there, even though... Yeah. And I did like the fact that, that Denim was like, no, you can't go. Yeah. Like, there's no place for a woman. The last time this happened, bad things happened, you can't come, or whatever. So, but to get things moving, like, she's just stowed away. Yeah. She just had to leave. And Charlie work. finds her. Yeah, and Charlie finds her. So, like, um, and it's a very, that's a very funny scene when Charlie finds her and, like, goes, like, it just turns into a, a completely, like, a Warner Brothers cartoon. Like, yeah. a Looney Tunes cartoon. Because Charlie goes, he, like, he runs up to one crew member and the camera's right there, and, like, you can hear him say, Oh, I have something to tell you! And then he literally, like, leans into his ear and goes, <laughs> Like they always do in the yeah. Looney Tunes cartoons. And they're like, Oh! And then they run up to, like, the next person and tell him. And then they run up to the next person. And this goes on. It's just a bizarre scene, yeah. you know? And you're just like, What is happening? And then, like, did and, Chuck like, Jones write this? Exactly. <laughs> and the, and that so the tone is all over the place. So they find her... Uh, and then they, the, the crew uh, naturally decides to uh, stage a mutiny because they have no food and uh, they aren't being paid. I, and, uh, I just want to say <laughs> that this is the most justified mutiny in naval history. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and, and I am 100% on board with these crew members. Yes. <laughs> because no doubt they have saved all their lives yeah. by, by doing this. Yeah. Because they would have been slaughtered. Yeah. Like, we, we saw what happened last yeah. time. These crew guys, with like, they don't have a name. They don't even have a name tag. Yeah. They, they're Dropping not gonna like flies. Yeah, they're not gonna make it. Okay, yeah. that didn't go too well last time. No, 
So and like, and they are being paid. Like they say, like when do you pay us a living wage? And all like, or, you know, uh, you don't pay us for our sweat. And then like uh, Carl Denham's like, well, when did you start sweating? It's like they run the boat. Yeah, yeah. They work the boat. They're De- what makes like, it move? De- Denham still, you know. <laughs> kind of goes back and forth between being like swell guy da, 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 and like heartless monster taskmaster a couple of times in this movie where you're just like is he a monster yeah i'd like i don't know um but he's yeah. definitely got some kind of bipolar complex in fact in all the movies robert armstrong in King Kong, Son of Kong, and Mighty Joe Young, he seems to play a character who does have a caring side, but at the same time, he's a businessman. Right. So he like keeps making all these dumb decisions because he just can't seem to liberate uh, his selfishness right. uh, yeah, from yeah. himself. Yeah. yeah. He, he plays three or two rather yeah. very flawed characters. Yes. Yeah. Um, and so it's it is it's a testament to Robert Armstrong's acting ability that he is very likable in all three movies. But, um, anyways, the, basically the mutiny happens, and it's uh, utterly baffling to me because they put him in a lifeboat. So they put uh, Englehorn, like they want Englehorn and um, Denim to leave. Yeah. And then they immediately throw uh, Maelstrom over. Yeah, because Maelstrom declared himself captain. And yeah. they're like, no, you're crazy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and then Charlie uh, volunteered. Yeah, to... Char- Charlie voluntarily leaves the ship because, you know, he was in part one. And yeah. It's just reasons. Just be like, yeah. Um, so, but they don't give him any guns. And, and they make a whole scene out of it. They're like, do you want any guns? Like, you're a smart man, Denim. You can figure it out mm-hmm. or whatever. Did you... Okay, like, so then they go to the island. Yeah. And they have guns. They've Ah, got two shotguns and a pistol. There's briefly a shot where Charlie implies that he smuggled a gun onto the lifeboat. It's a quick shot. Okay. So he just, like, he lifts up, like, a board or something and just be like, you know, huh, huh. Um, Okay, good. That, I was very confused there. So they do have guns. Yeah, they they do have guns, thanks to Charlie, because, you know... He's the cook. Yes. Cooks, cooks know how to do these things. So they have two double-barrel shotguns. They don't have any of those smoke bombs. And still, still going back to Skull Island just with two shotguns, yeah. that's still a suicide mission. Like, yeah. you remember the beginning when they first set foot on Skull Island and Kong. Like, when they went beyond the wall. Yeah. The first thing that happens, they ran into a stegosaurus... And they had to shoot that thing for a while. I mean, they after probably, gassing it, they gassed it and then shot it like thirty times. Yeah, and then finally it died. Yeah, and that was like the only successful encounter yeah. with the dinosaur that they had. You know, these guys have two shotguns. Yeah, they're not going to last twenty minutes. Yeah. Anyways, they might as well have just you know bobbed in the water. They'd yeah. be safer there with the sharks. Um, so they decide to, uh, like last time, enter through the front door, and uh, they're waiting for them is Noble Johnson and yeah. his uh, cast of natives. His triumphant and, return. And uh, they are pissed. Yeah. They Very uh, immediately start throwing spears. Uh, yes. So uh, Denim decides to uh, to uh, row around. So yeah. they row to the far side of the island where there's more cliffs, because uh, that's safer. Uh, <laughs> yes. And, uh, yeah, so they... And uh, cheaper. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they can just use cave sets from wherever. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think there's really only one set made for this movie, and it's sort of like the they find the ruins of some other people who were there. Yeah. Uh, before Noble Johnson's people. Yeah. And uh, and that's a pretty cool set. Yeah, it's pretty big too. Unless I don't know if some of it's matte painting. It's. I think it's probably a mixture of both. Yeah. You know, I mean, they had the money, uh, even with David O. Selznick's, I think, I'm pretty sure he departed by this time. He was just like, I wash my hands. Yeah. For the silliness. <laughs> but, like, they get into a cave, and Denim starts exploring, and immediately he, he stumbles upon Lil, Lil Kong. Mm-hmm. Lil Kong. Lil Kong. He's 12 foot tall. He's an albino... Gorilla, or, mm-hmm. or uh, yeah, albino ape, and he's stuck in quicksand. Yeah, so he's already like dead. Yeah, <laughs> like he's going to die. We could have, you know, ended it now. Yeah, uh, five Armstrong... minutes later, it yeah. just would have been like they would have seen a, a puddle of quicksand and like a bubble, bloop, and yeah. then like that would have been the movie. So yeah. like, you know. Little Kong's living on borrowed time for the whole movie, yeah. so that makes the end slightly less sad, but still yeah. totally devastating. Yeah, but like, uh, like we had the, we had a chance to just you know end the pain now. Right, have been spared the fire, literal fire and brimstone <laughs> that was to come. Um, but you think it would have been more appropriate for Denim to have gone up in flames? Um, but, <laughs> well, Denim feels bad about King Kong. He feels yeah. bad about getting. King Kong killed. Yeah. And as he should. As he should. It's completely his fault, the greedy bastard. <laughs> and so he sees Lil Kong in the quicksand, so he tips over a tree with just his own brute strength. Mm-hmm. And that provides like something for Lil Kong to grab onto and he he saves himself um from the uh from the quicksand. <clears throat> and a word on like the way these scenes play out or or anything surrounding like uh kong jr it's all like the the way the the shots are filmed it's it's purposefully constructed to show as little of him as possible and like as briefly as possible so like it, it like they they don't like showing his whole body it's a lot of it is just sort of like shots of his head kind of being like or whatever yeah. or like you know what I mean? It's not a lot of full body things or yeah. like like the motion is very limited. Like he's not – he doesn't really cover a lot of terrain. It's just sort of the same 50 feet. He kind of keeps walking back and yeah. forth. It's, it's very localized. Like they get on the, uh, the island and they're sort of looking for the treasure and like – They're attacked by a, st- a Styracosaurus. A Styracosaurus. Well, like, yeah, Englehorn, Charlie, and Maelstrom are, are – are attacked by this thing, which was a leftover puppet from creation. Yeah, and uh, you can actually see the same puppet in some of the some of the test footage from creation. Uh, that was Willis O'Brien's pet project that we discussed on the previous uh, episode. Um, and they they are sort of the, those three guys are sort of shoved into this little cleft uh, on on like a cliff face mm-hmm. by. The, this, this dinosaur for at least 15 hours mm. <laughs> like like they they get stuck and it's like it's 
there was never a scene like this in the original King Kong where it just sort of faded to black. Yeah. It always, like, the sequence completed itself and you got a satisfying finish to it. So this is, like, the beginning of a sequence where this monster comes and, like, corners them in this this little nook. And, you know, like, they're already, like, ten seconds in, they're already turning on each other. Like, Maelstrom's, like, grabbing Charlie and trying to use him as, like, a human shield and, like, push him out, you know, into the horns of this thing. And it just sort of fades to black. Mm-hmm. And then we go back to Denim and Hilda. So it's like, and they are off, like, Denim shoots a bird for, like, dinner or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, like, Lil Kong, like, comes and, like, he fights a bear. Yeah. And it's like, first of all, there's a fucking bear on Skull Island. So it's like, it's like a brown bear. Yeah. And, like, so you've got gorillas, bears... And dinosaurs. Yeah. What the fuck is going on on this island? I think it might have been, like, what, a prehistoric cave bear. Which, okay. yeah, cavemen would fight. I had a picture of it in one of my books as a kid. You know, you have you uh, know, okay. cavemen fighting a, a really big bear. And, you know, they, they've got spears. And then one guy's smart. He's got, like, just a big fucking boulder. Right. Presumably to throw at the bear. <laughs> right. Or to throw on one of his uh, associates. So that way the bear so goes the bear after, would go after him. <laughs> and then he would run the other direction. Um, but yeah, like, so uh, Lil Kong fights this bear. That's probably the best scene in the movie, I guess. Yeah. Uh, you gotta say it's sort of wincing. And it's just, it's brief. Yeah. And it's not, it's, you know... It's just B-sides. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, this, this whole movie's made up of B-sides or also-rans. It's an also-ran of a fight sequence from Kong. I mean, like, all these fights are still physical and scrappy yeah. and, and personal mm-hmm. in a way that something like, you know, when Godzilla fought Space Godzilla or, like, Mogera or whatever, it's like those Ray battles or whatever, yeah. and you just sort of have, like... There wasn't a lot of mobility there. Yeah. I still prefer these more physical fights because they're real fights. Yeah. But that being said, Willis O'Brien obviously working on a compromised timetable here. And it's just a little bit harder for him to get it done with the same smoothness and the and the flair that he mm-hmm. had. You know, there's still some cool little acting bits by Lil Kong mostly. Yeah. And, like, it was, uh, he was able to, I guess, maybe perfect, like, anything, like, he, you know, was trying to work on in King Kong. I think, like, the fur was one thing. Yeah. The uh, fur is much better. And, you know, just a few details. And, you know, as goofy as the eyes are, I mean, the fact that he was able to do that with a model and make it work, like, yeah. that, that's pretty significant. Yeah. Um, so it just, uh, I guess it, um, it, uh increased his palate yes but the the uh the fights in this one are are just much briefer much yeah. much more brief than in king kong like the fight with the t-rex in in the original kong that was like five to seven minutes long and it was like there was stages in it yeah. and there was a whole thing and in this movie you know, he fights, like, I think, like, three different monsters or something. Yes. They all sort of run together. But their yeah. fights are only, like, 40 seconds long. Yeah. I mean, they're, and they're over pretty quick. And then it goes back to Carl Denham apologizing to 
some to Lil Kong about what he did to Big Kong. Yeah, yeah. And, and Lil Kong like, like doesn't like seem to understand at all. Uh, yeah, because really he's a care. Yeah. It's just like, oh, you kind of look like me. We can be friends, maybe. Yeah, you and know? like meanwhile, you've got sort of like the greatest hits package of the Max Steiner score from yeah. the original King Kong, and you do get the impression that Max Steiner was like talking to the orchestra, and it's like, great, great, that's. That's great, guys. One more time with uh, noticeably less energy. <laughs> okay, go. You know, because it, it's just sort of like, ugh. <laughs> you know, these things just sort of happen. And then it's over immediately, it's over. you know. And it's just sort of like, eh. Yeah. So, like, yeah. Um, that's it's, it's kind of a good summation for the whole movie. It's just yeah. one more time it's, we kind of did this. Is this what we did last time? I guess. I don't You know, and it's over. Uh, it is significant that the movie's only an hour long. Yeah. Thank God. Yeah. Uh, that's that's one of its good graces. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Um, more stuff happens. What they does find happen? tr- They find treasure. Yeah, they find treasure. Mangahorn uh, gets eaten by a sea monster yeah, that, who then mysteriously disappears. Yeah. Which, that was a combination of both stop motion puppet and just full-on animation like a close-up of its head is actually just like that's basically a cartoon yeah um so that was just you know a nice uh, use of technique would have been better if it had had a better script uh but you know technique itself was good yeah um and then an earthquake starts um and for no reason yeah for no reason uh, you know, it's not like they accidentally, you know, when finding the treasure that, like, tripped a switch, and yeah. that's what's, like, causing Skullion to blow up. No, 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 no. It's just it's time yeah. for Earthquake. Um, so they all, what, yeah, they all get onto a boat yeah, or whatever. Yeah, uh, like, so, sorry, like, Knight, they, if Kong, f- Lil Kong fights the bear, yeah. wins, and then Robert Armstrong, at, at no point do they cut back to Englehorn or Charlie from Alstrom. And then, like, they, they go, they have their, like, bonfire and, like, sort of the love scene or whatever. Mm-hmm. Robert Armstrong sort of getting, uh, you know, frisky. Night falls, and then the morning comes up. And then Englehorn, like, comes out of the, the little nook in the side of the mountain. He's like, well, I think he's gone now. So yeah, I think it was 15 hours of that yeah. dinosaur just, just sticking his yeah. head in there, motorboating that little cleft. <laughs> <laughs> trying to get to the three of them. <laughs> and, uh... Yeah. And, and, and like, it's just, it just sloppy. Uh, sloppy. You know, we love Ruth Rose, but we 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 love better Ruth Rose, and we yeah. love better uh, Shodzak, yeah. you know. So, uh... So, this is another thing where it's just, like, so much talent... Yeah. It's put together, and it's just, you know, just didn't come out well. Yeah. So they uh, they get on the uh, ship, and uh, well, everyone except Denim. So Denim and Lil Kong are like, for some reason, Denim's like, I have to stick around and get the rest of the treasure or something. Or maybe he goes back to get Lil Kong. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. And then in kind of a twist of fate where it really should be Robert Armstrong saving Kong. Yeah. Because he really he owes Little Kong, but instead, Little Kong saves Robert Armstrong, 
and he lives, and the island explodes with Kong on it. As it has what happens in earthquakes. Yeah. Uh, and, 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 like, part, partially explodes, but then, like, a smaller part, like, sinks uh, at, like, a movie timer speed. Yeah. Where they It's just so crazy. And they show a handful of, like, the, the tribes guy, like, the... the, the um, Natives or whatever. Just like like falling off the cliff. It's just like, oh, well, I guess that whole... Yeah. All those people are dead. So now Robert Armstrong. So it's like a, you know, Carl I'm, Denham is is now you know I, a, a genocide. I mean, well, he, yeah, and I would like to make the point out that uh, that scene in the original King Kong where um, like the the mom came and like saved the little baby from being trampled by yeah, Kong, they're both dead now. Yeah, because they were on the island still. So everything. So everyone's pointless. dead. Yeah. All that like all it was all pointless. Yeah. Uh, so and then, yeah, little little Kong gets his foot stuck in um, in the rock, and he's holding up denim, and he goes down and he drowns, and it's very sad yeah. and like, needlessly so, needlessly tragic. And they didn't even do that to Minya. Yeah, yeah, and Minya deserved it. Minya uh, actually <laughs> deserved it. Little Kong was just minding his own business, and uh, anyways. <laughs> Yeah. So, um, oh but but Robert Armstrong survives, and he's held up long enough for them to to uh, to uh, find. Yeah. yeah to, well, immediately, like a ship. After they were, you know, at sea for like thirty minutes, they suddenly mm. see a ship, and wow. uh, yeah, they're taken aboard and are not immediately arrested. Um, yeah. And then, uh, Denim and, uh, the brunette. Hilda. Yeah, Hilda get married. Yeah. Or imply that they are going to get married. Yeah. You know, basically it's the same ending as Jurassic World. You know, you know it's just like, we're going to be together for survival. Her name is Hilda. Shouldn't she be blonde? Hilda? <laughs> yeah. Oh, there are a few brunette Norwegians. Yeah. I think. I guess. Yeah. Anyways, um, you know, oh, at some point, uh... I'm sorry, we've been saying Maelstrom. It's Hailstrom. Yeah, well, Hailstrom. Just, I guess I get confused because it's John Marston mm-hmm. plays him. So that's a little uh, on the nose. Not quite as on the nose as Ben Johnson playing Greg Johnson in Mighty yeah. Joe Young, but close. But, um, but he gets eaten. Yeah, he gets eaten by that. Yeah. Maybe we did mention that. I'm yeah. sorry. <laughs> but uh, it's like the... I think we should mention it twice. It's the only time anyone gets killed in the movie. Yeah. Uh, as opposed, again, to the, the slaughterhouse that was the original King Kong. So yeah. everything is, you know... It's, it feels like it's been passed through a bunch of sensors and it's been sort of neutered and sort of made yeah. dumber and, like, all the things that were, like, really made you think... About the original King Kong, all that's been taken out. Like, nope, can't have any of that. <laughs> there's no, there's no satire. There's no. It's just sort of like, hey, let's, let's go back and get the treasure. It, it's like the City Slickers to the Legend of the Lost Gold of the King Kong series, where it's just like it's literally, you know, come on, do we have to do this? <laughs> Must we? <laughs> yeah, that was a good movie though. I did see it, and but this movie doesn't add in John Lovitz like that movie did. <laughs> <laughs> uh, probably because Lovitz was not born yet, but anyways, that's no, that's no excuse. Every <laughs> every movie would be better with John Lovitz. Um, 
So anyways, that oh. happened. You never hear anyone talk about Son of Kong. For good reason. Because it is garbage. <laughs> <laughs> and don't get us wrong. I mean, we'd rather watch Son of Kong than, I don't know, Crash. Yeah. Uh, but <laughs> I liked Crash. Paul Haggis' Crash? What? The 2005 movie? Yeah. Picture? I liked that. That was a good movie. Okay, then you're a terrible person. <laughs> Anyways, now to talk about Mighty a, Joe Young, a real film. Mighty Joe Young, and it feels it feels like all of these movies are like a variation on a theme. It's like the same basic story every yeah. time, but it's like new drafts. Yeah, and this is like the 1949 draft of yeah. that story. It's like Marion C. Cooper. And uh, showed Sack were watching Shirley Temple, and they were like, "You know, this is great, but Shirley Temple really needs a gorilla." Yeah, you know, so that I'm sure that's how they pitched it to the uh, higher echelons. Uh, you know, it's yeah. just like, okay, uh, we're going to start out as Shirley Temple with a gorilla. <laughs> yeah. So, and then the consequences of that happening. <laughs> I, I like uh, Mighty Joe Young a lot more than Son of Kong. Yeah. Um, it's sort of like the Star Trek, the original series to Star Trek The Next Generation argument, where it's like, you know, the original series is more beloved, but The Next Generation is technically vastly superior. Yeah. And I think that is definitely the case with Mighty Joe Young, where you still have Willis O'Brien heavily involved as, like, the technical dude. But, like, it's mostly Ray, Ray Harryhausen doing the animation because Ray Harryhausen was, like, super, like, young yeah. and focused and he had just been in the basement drinking coffee watching King Kong on the 8mm projector for the last 16 years. Mm -hmm. And so he just came out of it and you can see, you can see the love of yeah. King Kong that's been incubating inside Ray Harryhausen and it's just unleashed in Mighty Joe Young, yeah. and, like, you can see, like, the impact, Man. obviously, that it had on him, and it's it's a much better movie for it. Yeah, and this has got a lot behind it. You've got Marion C. Cooper and uh, Ernest B. Uh, Shodzak, Sidesack, Sadsack, whatever. Shodzak. Uh, uh, Shodzak. <clears throat> he directed, we should say this guy's name correctly one time, because <laughs> one time. he did direct all three of yes. these movies, and it's yes. Ernest B. Shodzak. But this was also co-produced by John Ford. John That's Ford. right, the John Ford. John Ford. Marion C. Cooper uh, also produced the year before, 1948, John Ford's uh, film Fort Apache, which Ben Johnson, the star of Mighty Joe Young, played, I believe, John Wayne's stunt double. Right. So in a matter of a year, he goes from stunt double to star yeah. in... <laughs> Mighty Joe Young in a film produced by the same two people. Yeah. Um, so it's very interesting. Ben Johnson's great in this. He's so nice. He's so gentle. Yeah. And this know? is, you know, different from the Ben Johnson we see in Dillinger and Red Dawn and The Last Picture Show. Uh, and yet at the same time, he's got that, you know, Ben Johnson feel, that touch, you it, know, that... It seems like he was also in Oklahoma, but I might just be misremembering He probably that. was. He's got it, a it, face like someone who would be in Oklahoma. Yeah. Well, he... Doesn't he say... No, he's from Ohio? Yeah. In, in this film, he says... Something like that. It, one of the O's. It's either Oklahoma or Ohio. Yeah. He's from one of those two places. Um, music uh, by our good friend, Mr. Roy Webb, who did, amongst other things, uh, the the... Absolutely essential Robert Mitchum uh, film noir out of the past, 
He's done a lot of really great stuff. Not to mention Alfred Hitchcock's Notorious with yeah. Ingrid Bergman and Cary Grant. Um, just, you know, lots and lots of good stuff. So while it isn't uh, Max Steiner, it's still, you know... You can good. heavily feel the influence. Yeah. And again, it's as as with Ray Harryhausen, where you can see where that love and, and, and that influence and, and what they unleashed, mm-hmm. this is like the first generation of filmmakers where you can see, like... I mean, it's been 16 years, roughly. It's 49 now. So it's like you can see how that's taken hold and you can hear a lot of Max Steiner's score yeah. in what Roy Webb is is doing in this movie. Mm. Um, and it is almost a blink and you'll miss it, like, is this Max Steiner or whatever? But, mm. it's you know, it's a little bit more modern. Um, but, um, yeah, no, he's, he does a really great job in this. Um, and you've got Robert Armstrong back as a sleazy <laughs> producer. Yeah. Uh, you know, Marion C. Cooper type. Yeah. You know, Marion C. Cooper keeps putting these people, and and you know, it's Ruth Rose wrote this again. Yeah. And uh, he keeps putting these people in these movies that are like him. You yeah. Know, he keeps putting himself in all of his own movies. And this movie itself kind of feels like, as I mentioned before, kind of like a parody of the stereotypes uh, that were built into the first King Kong. Um. Or the the or the I should say the cliches of the first King Kong film and um, yeah so um, yeah so that's kind of how I feel about it. it's just like well you know in the last two films we killed the apes you know even though they were really just being themselves so let's make a movie where like we give the ape some justice yeah you know <laughs> let's actually do one right yeah yeah um, let's, let's let's go out on a high note with apologies to the Kong family. <laughs> This this seems like the almost the very same thing that has happened with uh, Gorgo from Beast from Twenty Thousand Fathoms. Beast from Twenty Thousand Fathoms came out, mm. and then like the daughter of the producer of that movie was like, "I would like to see one where the monster lives at the end or whatever." Yeah. So the father was like, "All right." So he made Gorgo where like the kid and the mom Gorgo both live. Yeah. And this is another thing where it's like. You know, the second wave, more pacifist, like, monster movies. So it's like, Mighty Joe Young, he messes some stuff up. He, he causes quite a bit of destruction. Yeah. It's pretty great, but eh, they still let him live, yeah. you know, which is nice. And, and, and in an odd way, the end of this movie kind of feels like the end of Free Willy, now that I think about it. Yes. <laughs> it's like how it's all put together. Yeah, yeah. Uh, almost, just like... Hold me like the river of Jordan. <laughs> We love you, MJ. Seven years gone, but not from our hearts. Um, I also like how they were just like, fuck it. Let's yeah. just use King Kong's roar. Yeah. They, like, it is just, they just used King Kong's roar. They used his, uh, his grunts, like, for the sounds that Joe make. Mm-hmm. And so it's, uh, you know, that's a pretty clear sign of their intent mm-hmm. here. You know, where it's just like, they are clearly going after, like, the King Kong money, mm-hmm. <laughs> or, like, the King Kong, King Kong glory and the magic. And I would say, in, in a, you know, as, in, in a way that's as possible as could be achieved, uh, they are successful. Because, like, you, you're never going to have King Kong again. Hmm. But, um, this is like... Sort of like Jurassic Park to Jurassic World, except Jurassic World is like the same 
you know, technically the same franchise or whatever. But, like, they, they want to kind of go back and do the same thing again, and I think it works as well as it could. Mm-hmm. There, there are certain things, like... There's no monsters in Mighty Joe Young. It's just he fights like lions, yeah, and like like real animals. Because yeah. it's like it's man, like, yeah. It's like it's almost 1950. You can't have like fucking dinosaurs walking around anymore that are like aren't like kaiju from like, yeah that, that are from like radiation or mm. been mutated or whatever. But yeah. like you can't just have you can't just go to an island and just have like triceratopses running around yeah. anymore. You know, so, like, he fights lions. Yeah. So, this movie actually opens in the uh, fictional uh, country of Africa, which we all know doesn't exist. Right. Uh, That's literally how it opens. It just says Africa over the screen. Wikipedia claims it's Tanzania, and that makes a little sense because the girl is speaking Swahili. In fact, there's a moment where she's speaking Swahili to people who don't speak Swahili. And I looked it up. Swahili is an East African language. So Kenya and Tanzania are places where, you know, right. uh, this would most likely take place. So we're just going to say Tanzania. Yeah. Um, so uh, we start with a little girl. Uh, what's her name? Well, she's Jill Young. Jill Young. I don't know what the actress's name is. She's very she's very cute. I'm sure she went on to, you know, die of like a morphine overdose <laughs> at the age of like twenty one. <laughs> uh, in, a, in an opium den someplace. <laughs> but she's very good at with this. Charlie. Uh, with, with Charlie. With uh, um, but no, she's 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 just you know, cute as a cute as a button here. Yeah. She's only in it for like five minutes. Um, but she, basically, she's this girl who, she's at this, this farm, like, ranch. Plantation. Plantation, basically, in, in Africa, and these two, uh, tribesmen are carrying a, uh, a pole with a rope attached in the middle that goes down to a wicker basket. Yeah. And she's sort of, they come close to the gate of her property that she's just sort of hovering around yeah. doing stupid shit. And, and she sees the gate. She's like, oh, and she opens up the basket, looks at it, and she's like, I'm going to buy that. Yeah. Or whatever. And they are on their way to town to conduct business. Yeah. And she absolutely stops them. Yeah. Uh, and tries to trade them what a flashlight and several other knickknacks. Well, they really like the flashlight. Yeah. So they they do agree and they trade this yeah. this thing for for a flashlight. And she opens up the basket so we can see. And it's some of the trademark uh, Marion C. Cooper uh, stock footage that he I'm sure he really went to Africa and got a little little gorilla in a basket and uh, and, and filmed it for this movie and. I would also like to say there is nothing like remarkable about Joe when he's when he's a small gorilla. He's no. like totally normal. And yeah, it is interesting to see at what point what what happened yeah. to make him a giant stop animation gorilla. You almost expect at some point they were like, okay, and then he eats uh, some plutonium. Right, exactly. That happened to have fallen from the sky, it, it, yeah. and that's how he. <laughs> it, it, there is sort of the have your cake and eat it too thing, where it's like they want to have it take place more in this kind of real world. But at the same time, he's impossibly big and impossibly yeah. strong, and it's so that's still a little silly. Where it's just sort of like they're getting by, 
basically on the general pu- public's lack of knowledge of how large these creatures can grow. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and so that's the kind of uh, yeah. getting in there. Just, you know, it's 1949. They don't have it quite covered yet, but um, anyways. Yeah, yeah they could so, make it in 1970 yeah. or else it would make no sense at all. And uh, the father comes home and uh, in, I guess, the most, uh, Wal- I don't know, it's like it's like a scene from, like, I don't know, the, the Waltons or yeah. whatever. Yeah. And I was just like, I am not going to raise that ape. And, you know, you fade forward later and, you know, Joe's drinking, you know, milk. And it's just yeah. like, well, we can't right. keep him forever. Right, and- right. <laughs> There's yeah. a lot of that sort of uh, putting it off in this in this movie. Yeah, Max right. O'Hara sort of strings along uh, Jill a little bit in the, in that same sort of vein. Um, but people get what they want basically yeah. in this movie. Um, um, so you cut to what sixteen years later or something like years that, later. and we have um, and, and we have uh, Robert Armstrong as Mr. O'Hara. His who, New York offices, yeah, yes. Who, who is trying to build a club in L.A. Yeah. And his theme is going to be Africa and lions. He wants, like, a lion training exhibition. Like, that's going to be what's yeah. going to drive people to these clubs. So basically, what, the original, like, what, Hollywood... Uh, 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 yeah, the original, uh, the original uh, Playboy Club. Yeah. Um, the, uh, you know... Planet Hollywood. Planet that's Hollywood. What, that's what I'm thinking. Yeah. Um, Robert Armstrong's performance in this is like Max O'Hara. The difference between Max O'Hara and Carl Denham to me can most easily be explained by like comparing Homer Simpson in like 1989 as opposed to Homer Simpson in like season five or season six. Where like, you know, in 1989, Homer's just like, boy. Doe. Yeah, Walter Matthau. Yeah, exactly. Basically. Walter Matthau. But then by the time you get to season five and six, he's just like, Lisa, that can't be true or else I'll be terrified. No, he's like, <laughs> yeah. uh, he's an octave up and he's significantly faster. Uh, Robert Armstrong as Max O'Hara is just Carl Denham, except like faster. It's like Carl Denham by way of like his girl Friday. Yeah. He's like half mutated with that sort of like has to talk like super fast and like faster and fa- more intense. Exactly. So it's like it's, it's it's a weirdly more like modern performance. Yeah. Uh, but it's like the same actor playing the same character, basically. So it's pretty interesting. And it is interesting watching like King Kong and Mighty Joe Young back to back because you can see like, you know, there's a certain part of the population that just thinks, oh, well, all black and white movies all look the same and there's yeah. no real progression over time. It's just it's just not the case. Yeah. You, you, you look at a movie from 1933 and you look at a movie from 1949 and there's absolutely, you can tell things are like, there's like certain camera moves and types of shots that the simply were not possible. The texture of the possible. film the texture and everything. Of the film, yeah. Things are clearer. So it, yeah, and all of that, again, we... we a theme that we kind of touch again and again in this uh, show is the perfection of technique. And this is certainly the perfection of, of many different types of techniques. I mean, look, we love King Kong and everything, but there's crazy shit in Mighty Joe Young. They never could have even thought about. There's a lot of stuff where like, you know, Kong or sorry, where Joe gets, you know, uh, um, lassoed by cowboys or mm-hmm. whatever, and the the rope replacement 
is uh, perfect. Yeah. You know, like like frame by frame, seamless. Like it is seamless. Yeah. And like and and you know, even today, in 2015, you have to like look at it and be like, you have to like watch it a couple of times and like you know really squint to see like where they switch things out. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's very very well uh, done. Mm. Um. But yeah, so we we're in Robert Armstrong's office, and he's like, "I'm going to Africa," and his investors like, "Why are you going to Africa? Mm-hmm. There's there's 50 great animal acts in this city, yeah, which is New York. Like, why what are you doing?" And Robert Armstrong, Max O'Hara, is like, "Well, because I have to like send back stories of my adventures to get the public's interest in it, and then like." That, and build upon that in order to open the club. Which is basically Marion C. Cooper's entire... Career. Uh, yeah, yeah, career. Excluding, you have to remember, by this time he had now fought in World War II yes. uh, as a member of the Flying Tigers in China. Uh, yes. So uh, I'm actually surprised they didn't go to China for the... Oh, well, actually, no, I know why, because 1949 was the year the communists took over. So he couldn't. Uh, so Africa it is. Yes. <laughs> um, but yeah. Yeah. So, so uh, while this is happening, uh, Ben Johnson uh, arrives with a resume uh, yeah. or letter of recommendation, uh, and uh, he is immediately shipped off with right. uh, Mr. O'Hara to uh, Africa, yes, uh, or Tanzania specifically, yes. and um, they're there for lions. That's why they're there. Yes. Um, and uh, I guess like some time has passed. It's clearly like they've established like, oh yes, these are the these are the best lions, the the best trained. You know these uh, these you know, uh, African cowboys can uh, you know lasso them. You know that this is like the act uh, they want. And suddenly they hear some growling, and this what twelve foot gorilla, foot gorilla is uh, harassing a lion, and this seems to be a motif. Uh, Joe really, uh, this is Joe, by the way. Yeah. This is now adult Joe. Uh, Sorry, Jill names Joe Joe in yeah. the first scene. So Jill Young and Joe Young. Yeah, and Joe Young's the gorilla. Yeah, <laughs> Joe and Jill. So. Um, uh, Joe uh, just seems to have a thing against lions. Maybe yeah. lion killed his mama or something like that. Yeah. So uh, throughout this film, he is just, you know, any excuse he can have to, like, Thrash. beat a lion yeah. to near death. I don't think he kills one, but he comes pretty close to. Yeah. Um, he he messes up some Yeah. Lions. Like, there's like, definitely <laughs> some, like, weird-looking lions walking around after <laughs> the events of this movie that are all like, Joe did this to me. <laughs> You know, they may not be dead, but they're probably wishing they're dead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're wishing they had uh, watched Son of Kong instead. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of lion abuse in this movie. There is yeah. no way this movie could possibly be made today with, you know, they just, they clearly drop lions from like 20 feet in the air onto yeah. like tables and <laughs> shit in this movie. And they're real lions. Yeah. So, like, it's oh. great. So, um, yeah. Um,. So the cowboys who were used to wrestling or lassoing the lions now have to go after this gorilla to stop him from killing the lions. Yeah. Uh, so it's an amazing scene with, uh, like you mentioned, like this near seamless, you know, uh, effects of like the cowboys and Ben Johnson, you know, lassoing uh, the gorilla, and they're like helpless because Joe is just be. I mean, he's fucking yeah, Joe. Yeah. And it's 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 great, and it it really crystallizes like this is a full on sequence there's yeah. like little sub 
scenes within it. There's a little bit where Robert Armstrong tries to get on his horse for a while, and it's like running away from him. It's very funny, mm-hmm. and the, there's like main action and stuff. There is nothing resembling this level of complexity in Son of Kong. No. It's all just sort of like, eh, boom, blam, it's done. But this is a great sequence, and, and you can see, okay, now we're into a fully realized movie again. Um, and yes, so basically, Joe grabs Robert Armstrong off the back of his horse and is getting ready to throw him off of a cliff when all grown up Jill Young, played by uh, Terry Moore, comes up and says her immortal line, the line which I'm sure she got cast mm-hmm. if, uh, in the movie for, which is, Joe! No, Joe! Which she ends up saying, like, 290 times <laughs> over the next uh, hour and 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. And uh, she, you know, sues the savage beast, as it were, and saves Robert Armstrong's life. And um, basically, from that point, uh, Ben Johnson is, he kind of makes the googly eyes at Jill. And, um, you know, he, uh, their, their courtship is very, again, very accelerated and, yeah. and very sort of Hollywoodish. And um, In fairness, it is Ben Johnson. It I is mean, Ben who, Johnson. Who, who could not, you know, but melt at the sight of such a luscious man. <laughs> Robert Armstrong uh, sees this, and he's like, okay, here's what's going to happen. You're going to go, we're going to follow her back to where she lives. And with a gun. With a gun, and you're going to... Uh, you know, because first he asks, like, who owns this ape? And she's like, no one owns this ape. Like, he's my friend. Yeah. And he lives on my ranch. And we find out her father has died. Yeah. Within the last uh, six months. And um, basically, Ben John- Johnson infiltrates her compound, as it were. And they're, like, having tea. And then, like, Robert Johnson, or sorry, Robert Armstrong kind of is hiding behind a tree. Yeah. And uh, he's like, hey, I'm here too. Why don't you sign this Hollywood contract or whatever? Like how rich and famous and stuff. And and I feel sort of bad for for Jill Young because she's like, she seems very, she's sharp. Like she's not dumb. She's not not like dull or whatever, but she's like, she seems very sheltered. Yeah. Okay. So like when Robert Armstrong comes up to her, AKA, you know, Max O'Hara, uh, in this film. Uh, and he's like, I bet oh, you could sign this contract. You wear all the best clothes. You go to all the best restaurants. You'll be famous. You'll know You'll know famous people. It's going to be great. Joe's going to have a wonderful time. You'll travel all over the world. And she's just like, oh, yes. Well, I've never been, you know, out of this country. Yeah. I've never done anything. So these all sound like great things. Of course I'll sign your contract. And, like, Ben Johnson tries to stop... Jill, it is just like, you know, wait a minute, you're not thinking this over at all. And she's just like, oh, it'll be fine. And yeah. then, you know, Robert Armstrong is just sort of like, he hey. literally Armstrong, sir. Yeah, he's, he's strong, Armstrong, strong, strong. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> she gets the old Armstrong, strong arm. And, uh, and yeah, and then that's it. It's, it's like almost the same exact cut from King Kong, where it's yeah. like, you'll be millionaires, boys! I'll yeah. put your names in lights! Blah, 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 and, yeah. and then, like, you know, King Kong, it's one of the world. Well, this, he's like, it's gonna be great, Jill, you'll just see! And then it just cuts to the uh, the Golden Safari. Yeah. Uh, the, nightclub know, in, the nightclub in Hollywood. In Hollywood. So, we're, instead of New York, going to Hollywood this time. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so it's, it's, 
several months later, they're getting ready for this show, and very much almost beat for beat like King Kong at this point. We have people sort of coming in to the show, and you get to see, it's like, it's not quite the 1933 thing where there's like, oh, denim, yes, those delightful pictures with yeah. bears and monkeys and things. It's it's like 1940s Hollywood yeah. like scum. <laughs> yeah, and and these people have money now because yeah, the, yeah. the depression the over, depression's the over. war's over. Right. We won, right. and we you know the military industrial complex was very generous to. Uh, yeah, yeah, and there, there's sort know. of the sense when you're watching these people talk, you're like, wait a minute, this is what we wanted to get back. Like this is what we this did is, it all for. Yeah. These people are scum. Yeah. Because uh, they're all just like, ah, you know, you know, what would you know about Africa? Give me a tonic water, sweetie. Yeah. yeah. You know, you're just like, yeah. oh, Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> but they do, in that scene, they bring up the fact that these lions, as a perk, who were, they were going to be the front runners of the show, are now decorations in the background. Right. They're in a, a glass, this is actually pretty cool. Like, I would never. But this whole sequence yeah. is, is. Is great. Like yeah. the, 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 the camera work yeah. is, is really, really s- remarkable. But all these lions are living behind the glass. It's almost like a living picture yeah. behind the bar, and that spans all the way around the club. Yeah. So um, it's that's a giant cool. nightclub made up to look like, yeah. not unlike the village from King Kong. Yeah, and you've got lots of dancers, and they're really playing up the camp in this scene. I'm pretty sure they're not doing this seriously as in saying like yes this is how real africans are they're they're yeah. saying like no this is what you think this is what you want to think right africa is right this so is, this is we're putting on a stupid spectacle so you can yeah. come in and make your dumb comments and buy cigarettes yeah. and uh tip <laughs> yeah and tip and buy bottles of champagne yeah. so like you know, it's it's a little bit more, definitely more more sort of tongue in cheek. You've got these giant paper mache trees that like you've got the full band and they're up in like a tree house in the tree. Yeah, and they're connected to other trees with uh, rope bridges. I mean, this would be. You know, this would be an awesome club to come and visit. I'm mm. not going to lie. This is like really. If once you can get past the staggering racism on display. Well, hey, you'll have a chance in Grand Theft Auto 6. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure. <laughs> Is that supposed to take place in the 40s? What? No, I'm just saying that club would be a great place you know, to, to, to visit. In, you know. Grand Theft Auto, what's going on in Grand Theft Auto 6? I don't know. There are clubs in Grand Theft Auto, correct? Couldn't you uh, go to this club? I mean, club? sort of, yeah. You could like play around, and then you could like shoot the window, and like the lions would come out and eat people. Yeah, buddy. And you could you can beat people up? No. I'm no. not crazy. No one is talking about how you're crazy, Nathan. Uh, <laughs> ease down. Deep breaths. You're in a place of friendship and trust, buddy. Um, but yeah, anyways, it's, it's a nice concept. It's a very nice it concept. It would be terrifying to have in real life, but it's it's a cool concept. Um, yeah. Anyways, so uh, they, yeah, they, they show Mighty Joe Young... They, they, you know, he's like lifting up uh, Jill on uh, uh, while she's playing she's the playing piano. The Beautiful piano. dreamers, Beautiful or whatever. Dreamer, yeah. Uh, and you know, it's people really are shocked cool at first, and I, you know, amazed. Well, I was shocked. I'm like, do they? Because they're like, all right, the main show is getting started. Kill the lights, and they they just sort of shut off the, all the lights in the place except the spotlight on Jill because she's got, yeah. this, which includes the. The lions' chambers, like they shut off the lights on all the lions yeah. too, which seems like a terrible idea. 
Because you've got you've got these these lions. Yeah. They don't know what the hell's going on, and all of a sudden they're all in the dark. You know, yeah. that's that's a that's a, a recipe for disaster right exactly. there. Which I mean, which this whole this I mean, whole, the yeah. whole plot is leading to is one it, big disaster. You could call the movie "Recipe for Disaster." <laughs> that could be a good title for yeah. for any of these movies, actually. Robert Armstrong's business plan is to humiliate uh, Joe until he breaks out in some sort of maniacal, uh, violent murder rage and destroys the club. Yeah. So that takes approximately 17 weeks. Yeah. Um, And we see that it's 17 weeks because each week there is a new neon sign that tells the number of weeks it's been. Yeah. So it says, now when it's 17th week in neon, I'm just like, that's a terrible waste of neon. Yeah. You, know, you can almost imagine, like, the guys installing it being like, hey, uh, you know, what should we do with this 16th uh, week straight uh, sign? I just throw it out of the pile with the 15th week. <laughs> Maybe we should just start changing the numbers instead of the whole sign. Quiet, you. <laughs> do you realize how much footing we're making at the neon plant? Anyway, so, yeah. Like very wasteful, but um, yeah, they are. Uh, they, they've concocted this uh, show for Joe or this skit. First of all, okay, there is. I, I, we can't. We can't gloss over the muscle man tug of war scene because it, oh, that's it's, true. It's more awkward than thrilling. Yeah, um, it's sort of sad. Yeah, in, in a way. Uh, for Joe, because you can sort of see him becoming a whore. Yeah. Uh, as it were. Um, so, like, basically what's happening is um, it's also a fascinating scene because, like, you see, like, 12 strongmen and they're introduced, you know, and they each have their own introduction. Yeah. And it's one sort of long shot where, you know, one of them steps forward and does something. Like and then bends a piece of metal, and, yeah, breaks like, a board or something. It's fascinating to see the creativity and, like, how you can demonstrate a strong man's strength. Because they're all basically just variations on bending a piece of metal. Mm. Uh, so, you know, that's interesting. I did want to point out that one of the strong men is a famous... Uh, Hollywood, like, stuntman, and he was also a ghoul in a lot of those sort of, like, you know, universal monster movies. And his face, I don't know this dude's name, but you guys might know what I'm talking about, because his face was the basis for the character Luthar and the Rocketeer. Um, and and he was, if, if anyone knows what I'm talking about, you know that face. You know, you know Luthar's face. Well, this is the real guy that Luthar was based on. And uh, so, anyways, uh, Luthar was Timothy Dalton's henchman in, in The Rocketeer. He's just a big Frankenstein-looking dude. Uh, and uh, anyways, he is one of, like, these strong men who are all dressed like a sort of stereotypical Tarzan... Uh, you know, like you know, leopard skin, skin, yeah, leopard skin Tarzan style thing, and mm. and they all have sandals on, and they're on this jungle set on the stage, and there's sort of two raised cliffs, and then in the middle a pool, mm-hmm. and so it's a tug of war, and whoever loses the tug of war he takes a dip in the pool, and at first Joe doesn't understand the concept of tug of war, where he should not because he's a gorilla, yeah, um, but eventually he kind of gets it but he still doesn't really want to do it you can Mm -hmm. see and that's there's a lot of cool stuff in the animation of ray harryhausen where he's sort of like yeah you know like he he puts that that soul 
yeah. in, into Joe. And you can really see what Joe is thinking, where mm. he's like, I don't, look, I don't want to do this. Like, yeah. he almost says that, where it's just kind of like, well, I don't, you know, and you can, that's all through animating a puppet. Yeah. So that's very impressive. And, um, but eventually Joe does just kind of tug the thing and, and, you know, Jill is there the whole sequence just being like, pull the rope, Joe, 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 pull the rope. Oh, pull the rope, Joe, 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 pull the rope. So you want a cup of Joe, Joe? (laughs) Yeah. Luckily the sound design is such that you don't, you know, she kind of fades in and out a little bit. Otherwise it would induce uh, murder. I think you'd watch the scene and you'd be like, oh, I must kill. But no, it's, uh, <laughs> you, know, you know, it's like they fade her out a little bit. She's always there, but it's a little bit muffled in the background. But eventually Joe pulls it and, of course, pulls all the guys into the water. But that's, you know, watching it and you're just like, what is the business plan of the Golden Safari? It's like, how long can they do this shit? Like, how yeah. many skits do they have on deck where, like, the punchline is, it's a giant, super strong gorilla. Well, maybe it's like Disney World, where they have, like, basically the same rides, but every now and then they, like, take an old ride and revamp it. I believe, like, was it, like, the Star Wars ride was originally, yes. like, the... Yeah, the, Star Tours. Yeah, Star Tours. So they, they, like, it's basically the same thing, they just changed, like, the engine around it. Yeah. Or the yeah. same engine, they just changed the environment, I should say. Yeah, yeah. So this is kind of where I'm sure they just have several set pieces that they do every night, maybe a special weekend Yeah, deal. I guess it's just and sort of like, yeah, it's one of those things where it's It's like, 1949, we have money, the Depression is over. Yeah. I've got a big gorilla, I mean, pay me money. I guess I just Max O'Hara doesn't seem that creative, but, but who knows? Maybe he's got like multiple years worth of this stuff up his sleeve. But uh, they seem to be sort of scraping the bottom of the barrel pretty quick, though, because 17 weeks later, you know, okay, we have a scene where Jill's like, I want out of the contract. It's been 10 weeks. And she's like, I want out of the contract. We know it's been 10 weeks because the neon sign, the custom-made neon sign for that week says, in its 10th mammoth week, yeah. you know, Mr. Joe Young at Max O'Hare's Golden Safari. And Jill comes in and she talks to Max and she's like, I want out of the contract. And Max is like, well, you have to give me time to find another act or whatever. And she's like, well, that sounds reasonable. And this is sort of one of the times where Max seems like kind of a monster or like an asshole. Because yeah. he's just like, yeah, here, I'll take you out to lunch. It'll be swell. Peer pressure. <laughs> yeah, it's like, we'll have a new act in no time. And then it immediately hard cuts to the 17th yeah. week. And so the, 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 the show that they're doing is they've got Jill uh, doing the music box that's up on the peg. And then Joe is like... Dressed up like a little monkey. Yeah, dressed up like you a know, little monkey the whole with thing, a cup. Yeah, with the cup. Like, this is an act that you see in other movies, and I'm sure presumably happened in real life, where, you know, a guy on the street would play the music box and the monkey would dance or, like, have yeah, a thing got, for coins. They, they've got a guy who so, does it in Batman Returns. Yeah, so there, the, there's that, uh, but with Joe instead of a little monkey... And they give the audience members big-ass, like, pennies yeah. to throw at Joe. Right. This is, again... A 12-foot gorilla. <laughs> yeah. Who, I cannot no, stress this yeah, enough. Yeah. There's no moat. Yeah. There's no safety wall it's or not anything. like, you there's know, not, legion of not, snipers. Right. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Not behind glass. There doesn't seem to be 
any security of any kind, mm. just like surly stagehands who like don't give a shit and will save their own skin at a moment's notice. So this really does not seem and like the people's motivation for throwing these things is like if you throw them at Joe and if he like you know catches your coin or whatever, you get to drink for free. So like every and every table has like apparently like ten or fifteen of these like discs that they can throw at him. So it's like. Uh, it's just a terrible idea. Just yeah. terrible. Um, and anyways, Joe makes it through this new terrible humiliation without going berserk and popping people's heads off like dandelions. <laughs> but he is very, very upset. He's internalized a lot of this murderous rage, <laughs> and he is definitely hardcore, like, late-period Marlon Brando sulking. Okay, and uh, he goes back to his cage... And these three assholes are like they, after they threw a whiskey bottle. Yeah, at they throw a whiskey bottle and harassed a waitress. Yeah, like I, I don't remember the last time like seeing a movie from this period with like the most blatant like on-screen sexual harassment. It was like yeah. you know. Uh, just yeah, I mean, men. he tries to force a waitress to sit on his lap, and, and then uh, this one particular yeah. character he throws a bottle at Joe. He sexually harasses a waitress. He destroys all of her cigarettes when she, like, like, you know, reflects or, or deflects yeah. his uh, advances. Robert Armstrong comes out and says, you have to pay for all of her cigarettes or whatever. Because yeah. he pours his drink on her cigarette uh, tray or yeah. whatever. And um, so, like, they're like, that asshole can't do that to us. Let's go get Joe super drunk. Yeah. So they go, like, there's no security no. of any kind around Joe. Again, like... This whole operation is made to fail. Like yeah. he, like he is the meal ticket yeah. of the Golden Safari. He's the main attraction. They keep him in this little cage. They don't allow him any time out other than to be humiliated in front of drunken assholes from the 1940s. And like, so these guys sneak in and they like give him three bottles of wine. In the meantime, we cut to a very lovely scene where uh, Ben Johnson and Terry Moore are at a Chinese restaurant restaurant, and Ben Johnson proposes to her and she says yes and they uh, they kiss. And And they are interrupted by the Chinese waiter. (laughs) Yeah, they're interrupted by the Chinese waiter. It's like, ah, the bill? Yeah, yeah. And uh, so it's very nice. And then we cut back to the cage where Joe is now disgustingly drunk. And they're all disgusted at him for drinking all the liquor they they gave gave to him. him. Like, what did you think was going to happen? Like, this is what you wanted. So, Joe is now drunk, and they, they hit him or something, or they, like, throw, like, the broken bottles at him, or, like, the empty mm-hmm. bottles. Like, these guys are, they are the real bad guys in yeah. the movie. Like, they're crazy. Like, they absolutely cause everything that happens in the next scene, and that is that Joe breaks down the, uh, the door to this cage, and uh, he goes ape. Yeah. Uh, basically destroys the entire golden safari club and it is such an awesome sequence and there's so many like great camera shots from like different angles so well choreographed well like well brilliant yeah it's a brilliant it's energetic yeah Yeah. it's a brilliant scene of monster destruction it's one of the best I have seen, and we, you know, we've done every Godzilla movie on this show. So like, it's like, but it's in bigger. It's like, it's it's great, you know, and and it's like, 
you like I don't care you know if you're a monster movie fan and you haven't seen Mighty Joe Young you're fucking up mm. like go watch it okay it's on YouTube <laughs> like and I know you know when I first saw this movie I was like 12 or 13 I didn't care about Mighty Joe Young at all I was like King Kong that's where it's at or Godzilla movies or whatever no I was wrong you're wrong too. Watch it, okay? It is awesome. Uh, Joe throws lions at people. Yeah, like ragdolls. <laughs> like ragdolls. Like you know, he throws <laughs> he throws a giant uh, log through yeah. a wind, like the thing breaking the uh, the the lions like uh, cage or whatever. Yeah. He sets them all free, so they're all yeah. attacking everybody. He's like he goes he like. Like all the all the band members are trying to like go over the rope bridge, like yeah. out of their treehouse, and he like destroys the rope bridge, and they all like fall. And uh, then there's some this of them one, have to die. Yeah, and then he like purposely goes into like around the lion cage, picks up a lion, and beats it like nearly to death. Like this is like horrible to watch. I mean, it's like is Mighty Joe Young also a, a dentist? Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> he. Uh, you know, the old adage, don't drink and drive. Well, with Joe, it's like, don't swing and drive. Because yeah. there's also giant vines, and he swings on the vines, and he just he's just swatting people. You know, he's just, like, backhanding people, and they're, like, flying into tables and doing somersaults. And, like, he destroys the stage. He destroys the bar. He, like, destroys the entire club. Like, yeah. he, he, he takes out the load-bearing studs and, like... The whole thing crashes. It's like it just yeah. keeps like the it keeps upping the ante of yeah. the destruction, and just keeps getting more and more insane. And uh, there, there's there's several great shots that are like really there's there's like vertigo almost. Yeah, you're like you're seeing over the edge, like you're looking down though when yeah. you like climbs up on the scaffolding and stuff. And it's really creative, great, great stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and essentially, you know. It's determined that Joe has to be destroyed mm-hmm. for going crazy, which I agree with. Like, he shouldn't be there. He should either be in Africa or killed. He, <laughs> should, he should not be, like, the Golden Safari, that was like a death trap waiting yeah. to happen. Like, you know, um, that tiger didn't go crazy. That tiger went tiger, I think is what Mr. Yeah. Chris Rock said. Yes, yeah. And, like, th- that's that's essentially what happens he, here. He went eight. He yeah. went eight. Um, it was only a matter of time, yeah. okay? And uh, so, like... The rest of the movie is basically them, like, um, Ben Johnson and Terry Moore and, and, and Robert Armstrong trying to, to basically break uh, Joe out of prison and, and make, make let him escape. So that they uh, basically Robert Johnson talks to a guy who uh, owns a charter ship and he's going to sail Joe back um, to Africa overnight at, like, 6 o'clock mm-hmm. in the morning. So they have this really elaborate scheme that I don't really want to get into where they kind of break him out and like trap the cops in the jailhouse. Mm -hmm. And it involves a lot of Robert Armstrong chewing up scenery and like faking heart attacks. He fakes a heart attack, crackerjack timing. Yeah. Subterfuge. uh, Subterfuge. False leads. False leads. Uh, They, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty great. They switch trucks. Yeah, they, they hide him in the back of a truck. Yeah, and uh, and and then at one point in the in the scene, they come upon another truck. So they do the old thing where it's like Ben Johnson and Terry Moore have Joe in the real truck, and they have Robert Armstrong in the fake truck, 
drive in like a different direction. Of course, Robert Armstrong gets pulled over by the cops. Yeah. And they're like, you know, all right, you know, he's in the back. And Robert Armstrong's like, no, no, he's not back there. If you open up the door, you're not going to find anything, I promise you. And then they do. And of course, Joe's not in there. The guy that they knocked out and threw yeah. in the truck is in there, but Joe's not in there. So it's like, uh, I love it when they do yeah. this shit in the movies. Uh, but then the, Joe, uh, Ben, and uh, Jill go to, uh, they end up near an orphanage that is on fire. Yeah. And this sequence is tinted, which is significant because um, black and white films did this a lot, especially in the silent era and the early sound days, but uh, it really kind of just fell out of necessity. People could kind of guess the tone of a scene without it needing to be, like, tinted, you know, one way yeah. or another. Uh, it's not a bad technique, but in this case, it works perfectly. It works really great. Because um, it's tinted red. Um, and you really, uh, this uh, sequence, this rescue sequence of, uh, you know, uh, orphans at the top of a burning building is just amazing. Yeah. Uh, you know, between Joe, Ben Johnson, and Jill. Uh, just all trying to work together to save all these kids. Yeah, and it really ups the ante visually, and it's like, you know, you can tell that they were thinking about, like, okay, all this crazy stuff that happened at the end of King Kong, what is the one thing that we could do to, like, even make it one step further? It's like, yeah. well, what if Kong was trapped in the Empire State Building and it was burning from the ground up? And that's, yeah. that's exactly what happens in this movie. It's like the, you have this orphanage and you have this enormous elm tree or oak tree or yeah. whatever next to it that that uh, joe is using to kind of bust these uh orphans who are trapped on the roof yeah down and basically what happens is is the tree catches on fire from the bottom and is burning up so joe gets trapped in the tree and has to keep climbing mm-hmm. not down but like up higher and higher and mm-hmm. higher and you're watching it and it's like how is this going to end and it's really quite harrowing and um, at last, what happens is, you know, a little ex, and, ex machina moment. Yeah. The, uh, part of the orphanage, which is an enormous building. Yeah. Uh, it's like five stories and, like, looks like it could house about a thousand orphans. Yeah. <laughs> roughly. <laughs> um, a wall of it falls over and hits the tree, and the tree falls over. Yeah. And it's an amazing shot. Yeah. It's a great shot, and... You know, there's a couple of times in this movie where you can tell Ray, Ray Harryhausen absolutely loved the shot from King Kong where yeah. they raise in the tree and they get knocked over by the T-Rex. Yeah. And the camera's, like, stays locked and, like, you see, like, the... Well, like, yeah. yeah. He, you know, because he, he repeats it twice. Um, now, you may ask yourself, why is this sequence in the film besides, you know, just for more time? Well... This is kind of the difference between King Kong and Mighty Joe Young is that Mighty Joe Young... Spoiler alert, lives in the end. King Kong, for even though we kind of agree he's not really the bad guy, he's just, you know, put out of his element and he goes crazy, he has to be killed. And part of this was kind of the leaking in of the Legion of Decency in uh, film production. And now you have to remember the studios were controlled, uh, excluding Disney and I believe Republic Pictures, uh, by Jewish men. but the censorship board was run by Joseph Breen uh, and his group of very conservative Irish Catholics. It was a work of Breenius. Yes, yes. Uh, so most films, especially crime films, if there is a bad person, while 
if the even if they receive uh, even if they do attempt uh, redemption or receive redemption, they have to die. You know, the you know, they just they have to die. Even if they redeem themselves, even if if they if they change, you know, they have to die. What's interesting in this film is that well, while Mighty Joe Young doesn't kill anybody, he does cause a lot of damage. And this is kind of a loophole around that. He's not a bad guy, he's a hero, and he lives at the end. So this is just kind of like a bit of, you know, stuff uh, just easing its way around the censorships and kind of like the the articles of story structure that were put in place by this kind of this push and pull between the film studios and the censorship board and how, like, stories have to be told what a character has to go through, what is appropriate, what sets a good American example. Yes. So, uh, yeah. The final scene is Max O'Hara, who is somehow still solvent and <laughs> not in jail uh, for the multiple felonies that he committed in yeah. the uh, excising of Joe, uh, receives a home video, a 1949 home videos of uh, Jill and Greg... Uh, again, that's Greg Johnson, portrayed by Ben Johnson, mm-hmm. um, and Joe, and Joe, and um, and they're all doing good, and uh, they're waving at the camera, and, and Joe's still alive, he's feeling fine, and we get a reprise of Beautiful Dreamer, and uh, and then it fades, and there's you know no credits. It's still 1949, but it's still just the end. Boom, done. Yeah. And uh, and that's it. That's it for Mighty Joe Young. So fantastic, um, fucking really, film. really great movie. And if you know, again, uh, if you like movies in general, see it. If you like monster movies and you still haven't seen it, yeah, see it. Get on. Uh, get, get on with it. Um, so now I believe next time uh, we're gonna skip Conga. Yes. <laughs> we're going to skip Queen Kong, mm-hmm. uh, and I don't think we're going to devote an entire Godzilla, or an entire episode to the uh, car commercial with Stop Animation Kong, so I think the next episode will be the 76 Jeff Bridges, Jessica Lange one. Yeah. So that should be pretty interesting, and that is more proper kaiju because that is rick baker in a suit yeah so uh that's gonna be a very exciting episode um looking forward to that um you've been listening to the godzilla pod war hour everybody we're on facebook um we are on twitter at michael kelly at godzilla pod war um we're on itunes uh, every episode for free. for free like us subscribe to us comment if you like what's going on um my name's Michael Kelly, and uh, I'm Nate Bear. Nate Bear, yeah. It's a couple of beautiful dreamers, and uh, you know, I taste aluminum, <laughs> smell the psychosphere. Watch True Detective too, because that show is amazing. <laughs> but not season two, because that's like True Detective season two is like Son of Kong. It's just like they're just cashing in. It's no good. Uh. Trump for president. This tune is in a special favorite of Mr. Joseph Young.
this supposed to be? This Mac's gone nuts. Give it a chance, fellas. Give it a chance. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Joseph Young of Africa.